Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Today we continue the conversation with a millennial who began slugging it out as a bricklayer before having his life interrupted by network marketing. He is now a multiple six-figure earner after seven years with Isogenics in an industry that couldn't be further from his beginnings. It seems to me that today's guest has invested most of his money in learning and growing himself. At age 32, well, only 32, Ben Kelly has quite a social following, as I believe on seeking answers for his life. There's a kind of enigma around him, and I'm sure he's going to smile when I say that, because he stays in his own lane and shares where he's at with utmost honesty. And I really look forward to exposing his story to you all in hopes that you can see possibility for your own life. So Ben, welcome. You're looking very white at the moment. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I've only been away from Bali for what? All of two weeks, two and a half weeks, and all my uh, all my uh, tan skin's gone out the window. Obviously, I mean this is the this is the hard thing. Is like you're obviously looking very gleaming and tanned. Somehow on the somehow you've achieved that from being on a on a ski field. Um, mine's already gone within two and a half. I weeks. know, Ben. It's it's okay. I've got more genetics on my side than you. Ben is in Copenhagen normally. In Bali, originally Australia. I'm in Switzerland, originally Canada, living in Australia. So it's all up world. You're normally brown. Most of you are listening only on podcasts, so don't worry. He's pretty cute though, so it's worth going to the YouTube channel. <laughs> I'm, looking very, I'm looking very Danish right now. Yeah, his hair slicked back. He's looking Danish. But, <laughs> you know, Ben... For those people, you are 32, and I was like, oh, my God, where did, how did he become 32? But I am curious, and I hope you can remember this, to know what were your dreams for yourself when you were a little boy? Do you remember those days when you were little Ben? 
Oh yeah, I went through stages. I think, I mean, it's hard to think back now. Yeah, as you, as you said, 32, it creeps up on you. Um, when I was younger, uh, I wanted to be a uh, professional soccer player or football player. Okay. Um, things were going pretty, pretty good with that. I, I, was, I was a bit of a standout um, for my age in the early years. And then uh, over time with injuries and everything, uh, a lot of the people my own age sort of caught up to me. And then as my playing days kind of increased, I, uh, I picked up more injuries and that sort of dream faded away. Uh, and then the idea of going into the workforce started to become more of a reality. <laughs> and it's funny enough, uh, after that was my only real sort of uh, dream, I, I guess you could say, that was, was lofty and I felt was attainable. Then it kind of was like, uh, maybe I'll be a fireman. Or I saw, um, I actually saw uh, bricklayers uh, working on site one day and I kind of liked the idea of the fact of being outside. And uh, yeah, further on down the track, that's that's what I ended up going into. So be careful what you uh, think about in the back of your head as to what you think you'd like, because it might just might just happen. Um, then obviously Maybe. went into so that. Just yep. Pan even back then as a bricklayer. Yeah, yeah, and obviously then went into that, and then really did not like it to say the least. So uh, yeah, my dreams kind of got put. Uh, into a really limited sort of bracket as far as what I thought was going to be possible after a certain amount of time, especially after my, um, my dream that I had for uh, such a long time and at such a young age sort of went out the window. Hmm. Thank you. You know, it's cool to hear that because I do believe that we all had dreams. I also had dreams as an athlete too, so I can relate to yours, but people have other dreams. I like when you said more lofty, it's like we start to qualify them after a while, you know, and, um, and then, like you said, you went into bricklaying. So in your late teens, to me, knowing your story, you seem to be setting your life up like a typical Aussie bloke, you know, buy a house, mortgage it to the hilt, work your bum off every day as a bricklayer to pay it off. See if you can have some fun on the weekends when you're not too exhausted from working. So, you know, what happened in your life to disrupt that pattern that was going on? Um, well, the, the fortunate thing I think for me is, and, and, um, uh, when I talk to people and when I train people and when I train my team, when I train people outside of it is I ask them, what do you think, um, uh, the number one trait that I want you to be able to have. And they all rattle off uh, certain things. And I, I end up saying to them, I honestly think curiosity uh, curiosity is going to hold people in a, in, in really good stead if they can develop that within a, within an information error. Um, I was just curious around my possibilities, but, um, none were really quite fledging. I, I think the fact that, um, I did maintain a level of curiosity of what was out there and what could be done or what could cause me different outcomes or, caused me to take a, a different path that was either more enjoyable or, or caused me more flexibility or freedom. Um, I was falling short with a lot of them, uh, but my curiosity sort of continued to just lead to uh, new possibilities to, to eventually one landed. So are you saying that even back in those dark days when life was kind of sucking quite a bit, that you were still curious? 
Yeah, I, they weren't as like, uh, they, they weren't as, again, they weren't that lofty. It was kind of like just in different job roles. It was just like, maybe I can go and do a course on the side because again, I couldn't, I, I had a lot of debt. I couldn't take a lot of time away from my job to go and learn a new skill because obviously mm-hmm. I had to keep up, uh, you know, an income mm-hmm. so I didn't go ass up. And, um, uh, and obviously I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to uh, just slide into a different job because I didn't have the skills and that job would have been, uh, would have paid me less. So I was kind of trapped. So I really was a little bit limited as, as what my options were, which is why network marketing kind of uh, fit in quite well with what my circumstances were. But at the time I was just, maybe if I did a course, maybe I can go into occupational health and safety, get off the tools. Maybe I can go and look into uh, doing this, maybe doing that. They were all still working for other people. They were all still things that were working for other people, um, different types of roles. Um, I, I wasn't really in the mindset of becoming my own sort of boss or, or, or being independent or anything like that. But uh, and again, when isogenics came around, uh, I got involved purely for the product. Um, I had low self-worth and the only thing that I felt like I could dictate was my results in the gym. And that was where I was getting any sort of shred of dignity for myself was the fact that I could dictate, um, mm. uh, my physical results. And, uh, that's why I got involved in that later on down the track. I kind of just kept going to, to things to do with the the opportunity to support my sister who was heavily involved in it. And those wow. things sort of just sponged. Uh, I, I sponged it all up. Eventually came to the point where uh, I, I was a lot of knowledge on ice, I guess you could say. I, I knew a fair bit, but none of it was getting actioned until <laughs> the point where I realized maybe it was something I could do because there, there was a large amount of time there where I felt like it was meant for a certain type of person and that type of person wasn't me. Got it. Uh, and then I did get to a point where I actually felt like it could be uh, a plausible uh, opportunity for, for who I was. How? Uh, like that, that's, that's what I want to know. Tell me how someone like you who appeared, especially back then, to be more reclusive, how did you think do it? Because that surprises me. How did you even make that transition? I, I think... Um, I think I built up in my head uh, that you had to sort of be already a, a type of person to, to come into it. Well-spoken, uh, a professional, uh, went to university, knew a lot about science, knew a lot about business, all these sorts of things. Uh, and the longer I kind of uh, stuck, in, stuck in there and, and went to a lot of events, I started to build a gauge of the fact that there were so many different types of people with so many different levels of experience um, traits and expertise that they brought into this. And I, th- I watched someone, uh, and you know, uh, Paul McEnany and Paul, mm. Paul McEnany's, uh, not exactly the most polished. Um, he speaks very passionately. Uh, he's very excited about what he does, uh, very enthusiastic and he, and he speaks from the heart and he had done really well at this. And I kind of saw that and I saw those traits and, and how he showed up really authentically. And he was showing up in a way where uh, I hadn't seen before in that space. Mm-hmm. You know, being a, being a bricklayer, I didn't feel like it was a, it, it fit people for me. I, again, 
I, I didn't think that it, I didn't really know much about the industry going into it, but I definitely had a, a debilitating viewpoint towards myself and what I was capable of at the time. Uh, and I think the, the more I, I saw other people that maybe, uh, you know, had come from similar type of backgrounds or, or, uh, you know, weren't as polished as what I thought you needed to be. Did I start to think, Oh, actually, you know what, maybe this can be something for me, which made me more curious, uh, yeah. around what it was going to take. Got it. That's a great, um, example. Actually, I, I totally see how having different looks at people allows you to see, yeah, what you could bring the profession. And, and I think, you know, Ben, you've been part of that, you know, redefining what's possible, even in your look, you know, how you present on, on the stage. It's like people go, Hey, I relate to him. I could be like that. And so I think you've really added to that. So Paul maybe, you know, brought you forward. And now I think you brought other people forward in that same way when you step on a stage. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, with network marketing, we have mentioned some of your financial success. And so as money and abundance flowed into your life more and more, what did you learn about yourself or what did you learn about your relationship to money? Oh, geez, that's a, that's a good question. I felt, um, I felt my ability to call it in obviously increased, but it was, it was, uh, it was by stage by stage. I, I think people, everyone knows that they want to, uh, earn a lot of money. They know that they, w- they would love to have a, love, a lot of money. We don't have to think too hard around that, but feeling like we're capable of calling it in is a completely different thing altogether. And as a lot of people know, you know, myself and my sister had a, a big uh, sort of reason as to why we wanted to do it. Obviously, we had our personal stuff, but we wanted to um, be able to retire our, our mum. She raised four kids as a single mum uh, on a teacher's salary. Uh, had to sacrifice a lot and we were not going to be able to help her, both of us working jobs. That's just statistically not going to be, I, I could barely keep myself afloat. So mm-hmm. I was going to have to earn substantially more than what I was earning. And, and so was my sister. So I think we had this big overarching goal, but we chunked it back. And I, and, and, and I know that you'll sort of resonate with this because this is a part of your processes is really is um, reverse engineering is that we just chunked it back. And I just realized, look, I, I set smaller targets and the more that I could become someone that did what they said they were going to do, my belief in the fact that I could uh, reach uh, move the goalpost out a little bit more Mm-hmm. and a little bit more and a little bit more that thing in the in the future was so distant that if we just made that the premise then uh, you know we were never going to be too it was going to be so far in the future that we could never really get uh too excited about all the good that was showing up for us at, at the time uh the more i started to call more money towards me did i start to buy into the fact that well if i can do this then I can, I can create more. Yeah. What else? But I also, I mean, I think I just, my relationship changed with it as well as, uh, you know, we have time, we have knowledge, we have skills. Uh, they're all energies that are, 
important into creating what we need in life and money is another energy. Mm-hmm. And I know for me that if I can give someone money to save me time, I'm more likely to pay it. Right. And, and I know that a lot of pe- a lot of other people feel like that. So my, um, my perspective around income was just like, okay, well, what do you need to, to fulfill your purpose? Okay. I'm going to need some time. I'm going to need some, uh, knowledge. I'm going to need some skills and I'm going to need money. And it was my job to go and gain whatever was needed to bring that purpose to life. And money to me was no, uh, no separate or no different or no better or no worse energy than time, uh, knowledge and skills, which are things that we all need. So it asked me, this is what you're going to need financially to, to achieve your purpose or one of your purposes. And if you treat your purpose with respect and you treat your potential with respect and you, t- and you treat your life with respect, you'll be unapologetic. You'll be unapologetic in going and getting what income is needed to go and bring that to life. And I still am not apologetic. I still don't have a funny um, energy around income. Um, again, this is the thing is that, you know, a large part of what we do is we spend a large amount of time learning uh, how to how to shortcut people's learning because a lot of people don't want to spend the time to go and learn or to develop or give the money up. So again, when you, when you gain coaches or you gain mentors and everything, you get to bypass time, you get to save time, but you're going to pay money a lot of the time. And I knew that if, okay, there's always an exchange. There's always an exchange. If I was going to want to save time, I was going to go pay the money to a mentor or an event or to something to go and, shortcut or to bypass that time that I was going to have to require to go and learn if I was going to learn it by myself in my own time. And when my relationship around, uh, you know, money being just an energy that we exchange in accordance to what we need to in bringing our purpose to life. And again, if you respect your purpose enough, you won't, you'll go and earn what you, what you need. And I was just not funny around that. So just a question around, because we're talking about purpose and money and how they link. I love that. That was really Mm -hmm. cool. I started, I I wanted to know, did this desire to retire your mom, had that desire always been there or did it start to rise up in you as you started to have some money? Like did desire exist before you had any money? Because you said, Originally, look, I can hardly survive myself. How the heck would I ever retire my mom? Now, then, is it only when the money starts to flow a little that something opens up in you that allows you to see that potential or possibility? Or talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of people set pipe dreams that never come to fruition. Um, a lot of people, a lot, it wasn't, and again, I, I, it wasn't so much that the goal of achieving our mum was the the most important aspect of of how that arrived. Because how many people have said that they want to retire their mum, or how many people have said that they want to do this? The same goal has reared winners and losers. Mm-hmm. 
at the end of the day. If, if the goal itself was so powerful and everyone that set that as their goal, why does only a certain amount of people achieve it and the majority don't? Well, why do you, why do you think? Why do you think you achieved it? You and your sister achieved it and some people don't. Again, it was, it was just uh, chunked back. We, we found things that, were, that could excite us along the way. Um, again, people, keep, people make big goals. I mean, we, were, we didn't adopt anyone else's first off. I think success has, if it seems more difficult to obtain these days, it's only because clarity is more difficult to obtain. With the fact that we're so exposed to so many opportunities, so many of this, so much of that, we're, we're so easily distracted. And we also then, as humans, a large amount of people lack appreciation and they create their, their why or their goals around more the fact that they want to be appreciated for the nobility of what their goal is rather than the fact that it is actually clearly theirs and it's going to be able to move their needle. When I say to people, they're like, I found my why. Okay, well, we'll see in two years' time. If you haven't moved, it's not it. I can get, like, that's, that's how we can gauge. And people adopt other people's whys because they get the respect. But the only reason, and some people might, may have looked at me and my sister and said, you know, hey, we retired our sister. And then they've gone, look at all the appreciation they're getting for the, the fact that they did that. I want to do that too. It's not so much the, it's more the fact that they want appreciation and respect, but you're never going to really, I would rather someone say to me, honestly, look, I want to get a boob job and that's clear to them. That's going to get them to move. That's going to get them to take action. That's going to get them to change their behavior. I feel like that's more admirable than adopting whys and reasoning that, that are not yours. There's nothing inspiring around going and having a massive why that never becomes obtained because you, you think it's glamorous or you're trying to compete with what you're, what you think is going to get you moving. Like your people's goals and everything they want, like they don't care about, you know, how much of a hero you are, your purpose and your, and your potential don't understand that. Mm-hmm. They only understand what gets you to move and what gets you to take action. And along the way, we understood that that was something in the fast, but if I couldn't um, become full time, that's not happening. That was the reality. So again, it was like, well, that can't happen if this doesn't happen. And if this doesn't happen, that can't happen. And if this doesn't happen, that can't happen. And if this doesn't happen, that can't happen. So it it got chunked down to, okay, well, this is the first thing Mm -hmm. hit that. Mm -hmm. And then once that was done, the, the, the more that you, I mean, I honestly feel like the number one way to create belief is just become someone that says, does what they say they're going to do. And once you build up enough experiences, even if it's um, uh, minute, even if it's minute, it doesn't need to be so massive. You're building this uh, identity around the fact that you're able to create progress. And then that in itself creates hope that if you're capable of changing your behavior to suit your goals, then there's a lot more hope around the fact that your future can actually change. And the more that you get a momentum with that, uh, you start to really buy into the fact that things can happen. And do you use that nowadays? Would you say that your life is, you know, in this loop, this manifestation loop, like you say you're going to do something and you trust yourself to do it or talk to me around the order of intentionality to do something 
and it actually coming to pass. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, I talk, I mean, I, there's a lot of ways we can, we can yeah. talk with a lot. There's a lot of ways we can talk about this, but one of the main premises that I, I work with with people is, okay, well, um, you set a goal. Great. Uh, that gives us direction. The, the main purpose for goals is to, is to give direction more than anything else. Okay. So we know what direction we're going. Okay. So what is going to be required? What actions are going to be required? You know, we work that, we work that out. Uh, what traits are required in being able to then start to take those actions? What are developed? Where, do, where are your opportunities develop those traits? So for me, if your life looks much more different than what it is, if, if, if your desired life looks a lot different than what it is now, the person that you are that's going to hold is going to look a lot different than who it is now. And I think it's, it's very easy for people to construct a vision. And we, we do talk a lot about vision casting and creating a vision and scripting and everything, but people don't create a vision as thorough around what version of themselves holds it. Oh my God. I this is think so that good. if they build that out. Excited. Sorry, I'm getting excited about what you're saying because this is really critical. Like I, I just, I'm interrupting. I did ask him if I could yeah, just because I want people to, hear what Ben's saying because he's saying you can have a dream and you can have a vision and you can cast it but is the person you are today so far from that vision of who you need to be then let's talk about who you need to be now I'm using some different language there Ben than you so keep going with the traits so so talk to me more about that yeah so with the with the goals and everything they'll come secondary to if you can build out the person that could hold it really at the end of the day, like if you build that person out, that become the, the achieving the goal just flows to that person. That person is who, who commands that. If you were who you, if you were um, who you meant to be to have everything you want, you'd already have it by now. So again, people, we've become so, and this is where people's goals can actually hurt them. Um, and this is why sometimes I, I'm, I'm very contradictive to a lot of, um, stuff within the industry and with, with a lot of other people's premises. Um, we are very heavily results uh, driven, but if we were to recognize that one of the biggest things is consistency, well, what kills off consistencies is that people are so attached to outcomes and they're so, uh, their action is dependent on negative and positive reinforcement. If people are so geared to, I take action and I want a positive action that represents getting closer to my goal. And you start to build up enough examples of the fact that that doesn't happen and you don't see in reward in, in the actions anymore. What do you think happens? People stop taking actions and they see no benefit in the consistency of taking things that may seem to not be getting any, them any closer. But what they're doing is they're actually contributing to an identity that's more in service of, of what they're wanting from life. So like if we put it this way, like I try to get people enjoying the process and, and, and loving themselves for their capability of taking action because what comes after the action is not going to dictate their, their self-worth or, or mean that nothing comes of it. If I say to myself, I want to be someone, the ideal version of myself uh, is fine with rejection. 
then me going out and doing things that uh, are likely to cause me rejection is the outcome of me doing it, not the yes or the no. And the more that I can become less geared to positive and negative uh, out, well, perceived positive and perceived negative outcomes after the action, that means that I can be more consistent over long term. And the more that I can develop the traits that are required to be able to bring this to life. And again, with the public speaking, it started off as, um, is Ben someone who's capable of standing in front of a crowd of people and speaking? And it wasn't, is Ben great? Is Ben filling out uh, rooms like this? Is he admired from it? He just could. And the more that I just did those because I gained a lot of self-worth and the fact that I was just capable of doing that over and over again, regardless of what came after it. Mm-hmm. I knew that that the, what I was gaining from that was I was taking a step closer to a version of myself that holds everything I want. And everything just seemed like it had happened more easier because my main focus was building out of a version of myself rather than going and obtaining a goal. But it was very clear of, of what version showed up and what my opportunities were to go and start to flex that. Yes, there was a lot of resistance to it. But again, uh, I was not catering to my self-image who I was at the time. I was catering to uh, an ideal self that uh, showed up completely differently. And um, I was more authentic in my behavior towards the ideal self than I was towards the self-image. And then that obviously people have a fear around acting and, and behaving differently because the people that who they know them as right now are going to hold them accountable to the person that they are at that moment. But we have to hold ourselves account, accountable to the person that we're capable of becoming. That's going to hold everything. And that's going to come with uh, criticism. That's going to come with being called inauthentic. That's going to come with being called uh, incongruent, but you have to face up to that stuff. If you're going to, um, you're going to have people in your past hold you, uh, accountable to staying who you are and they're going to be the people that uh, hold you accountable to obviously proving or proving them wrong. And this is the thing people have a big issue with, well, me changing and behaving different is inauthentic. Well, you're either authentic to your self image, who you are now and your ego, you're authentic to the version that you're trying to build out. Mm. Which one, which one are you more compassionate to? And then you're going to have to just be okay with the good and the bad with, with, with what comes with either. So this is so interesting because firstly, I've never taken notes in an interview before. And if you heard me tapping, I had to, sorry. Um, I don't know if that's loud, but that's just my ideal self had to, uh, you know, do that because I needed to write down, build out the person who can hold the goal or the dream. Cause I said to myself, Sarah, don't you forget that because this is critical. And I think, thank you because you're really speaking to our community Um, about contributing to a new identity. So I love this idea that the goal is just a direction, which from what you just said, I heard that direction helps you form who this ideal self, what are the traits of this ideal self? And then that's the work or the, the daily do, I guess, is actually becoming that person and putting yourself in situations that have you, it's a process. Like you said, it's like, it's not winning or losing the goal. It's actually, am I in the process of becoming this ideal self? And I've never heard it really said like that. I mean, I really appreciate that. And I think it's really relatable that 
to build a new version of yourself, everybody can go for that. But I like what you said about what are your reasons for going for it? Are you trying to be an ideal self that looks like your best friend? Are you trying to build out an ideal self that's aligned to you? So my last question, Ben, for you is, how do you build a goal or an ideal self who's in line with you? Like you said, you and your sister, the proof was we did it. So we were aligned with it. It wasn't somebody else's dream. Our dream was to retire our mom. What would you say to people to help them be aligned with their true ideal? You work it out and it would obviously uh, grow and expand over, over time as you start to hit uh, certain goals. And again, it will, there's, if we were looking at traits of the most successful tennis players or um, this career, that career, there'd be, there'd be main similarities that would show up consistently throughout. So the only, the only real time that I want people to, to sort of compare or look at other people is to see similarities throughout the board, consistencies, um, and then strip away the traits and, and then find our opportunities to how to, how to build them out. Right. And then the exciting thing is that we, we're so geared towards uh, loving the fact that we're capable of doing stuff more than the achieving. And then after a time of being able to be consistent to that long enough, the, re- the results start to start to come. But again, you develop it over time as you become more aware. And again, there's, there's, there's good reasons for, 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 for not good feelings as well. A lot of the times where we're, you know, where we, we, we don't necessarily, we're feeling not the best. I mean, it, it, a lot of times it is an indication of um, our ideal self um, feeling uh, neglected in, in an aspect or a way of showing up. So it's kind of like, um, you know, I mean, again, bad feelings are not, they have good, there's good reasons for bad feelings a lot of the time. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a cough. Like, like people say a, a cough's bad, but the cough allows us to go and find out what caused it and then rectify it before things grow and get worse. So when we have bad feelings, a lot of time that's our potential sort of crying out a little bit. It says to us, okay, well, wh- where, where could I have been better? How, how could I show up better today? Where did I didn't? Because again, being authentic to our ideal self makes us feel strong. When we're inauthentic to it, we feel weak. So again, you'll start to find and be curious. Again, the word's curious. Mm-hmm. Um, when those things do show up as to maybe why and, and not be so harsh on yourself for those feelings showing up, but just kind of going, I've got a little bit of a tickle on the throat. That means I need to do something because it was caused by this. If I don't want to cause this again, then what do I need to do? I need to rug up more. Maybe I need to wear a scarf, you know, and then means that we can look to uh, eradicating that in the future. So was that cough or that bad emotion really that bad in the long run? No, really isn't. It only is if we don't pay attention to it enough to kind of see the benefit in it. And, um, and again, when, when you're authentic to, to you'll feel not great sometimes because there is a bit of an ego um, clinging 
mm-hmm. to it. Um, it doesn't want you to cause death to, because again, we're so wide for, for um, survival. Our main premise is survival and reproduction. Um, our emotions are largely uh, not working for us. They're working for our genes and the continuation of them. Most of all, uh, they're not really, that's their main primary objective is to keep us alive and and to have us reproduce. And then it's a, it's a battle against that a lot of the time. So um, we'll have a lot of restraint, but a lot of that restraint really is, can be, uh, or resistance can be quite beneficial in pinpointing uh, parts of ourselves that we know we want to uh, enhance. Because again, we're not developing everything. Everyone's inherently got every trait. We just choose to repress or suppress depending on our childhood, our, hier- you know, our hierarchy within the family, our, our uh, perceived gender role uh, within the family system and within society. That dictates a lot of things as we grow up. And then as we become the person that has to be self-mod- uh, self-inspired, uh, it calls, it's a cause for more self-reflection, more awareness, more curiosity around ourselves and, and what's showing up. So again, that's why I say um, curiosity and awareness because then that gives choice. Um, we then get to pay attention to things that maybe we weren't paying attention before. And then over time, you can start to get a, a, a gauge, a consistency uh, over time mm-hmm. uh, to being able to understand um, how we would like to show up based off of what we want and what we truly want and, uh, and, and find excitement in, in the process. And I think you've given people uh, a good starting point is that Ben has just let us know, you know, that how we feel is an indicator of maybe whether we're hitting the mark with our ideal self or perhaps we're traveling into the ego a little bit or self-image. And it doesn't really matter what your words are. I love that you just plainly said that you know, feeling bad can be really helpful. That resistance can actually help guide you because it's an indicator of directionality, really. And so I think that's really positive first step for people um, when they really want to take on this idea of building out the person who can hold the dream or the vision for their life. So um, I, I really appreciate the way that you've verbalized this. It's, it's different. And when something's different, it, it goes in in a different way. And, and that, that's important. I think we've, we've talked to a lot of different people. I have somebody to recommend to you, but I won't do it online. Um, I think you're really going to appreciate it. And I want everyone to know that Ben provided this like list of books that have inspired him. I'm going to include them in the notes so that you can also see maybe some things that you want to read and, and really take on for yourself. So Ben, whether you're in Bali or Copenhagen or Australia, whether we're on an airplane chatting for eight hours. I really appreciate you and how you think about life. It causes me to think about life in a whole new way. And um, yeah, thanks for having me stay curious. Well, thank you for thinking of me and having, uh, having me on. I know how important your, uh, you know, your people are and who you speak to. So um, I feel very privileged at the fact you, uh, comfortable enough to expose me to them so thank you <laughs> I, I did use the word expose yeah i was like this is gonna, this is gonna be expose i don't know which way uh-huh. this is gonna go so if you're listening on youtube there was no exposing like that it was um you know 
um, intimate emotional exposure, everything will be fine, says his shirt. Maybe. Which means that his shirt's still on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the shirt's still on. Sorry, guys. Um, but yes, um, thank you so much. Your, your soul and who you are shines even brighter than your abs. So appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Love you. Love you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to... Put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.